168. Do you know what that number represents? It is the hours that each of us has in a week. That includes 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 168. So how do you use those? How do you use those to feel less busy and get more done? Well, tune into this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I talk with Laura Vanderkam, and she's the author of a new book called Off the Clock. You are going to want to check it out to figure out how to manage your life. Stuff like payroll and benefits are hard. That's why I switched to Gusto. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. You sign up for their payroll service today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash tape. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Laura Vanderkam. She's the author of several time management and productivity books, including one we're going to talk about today called Off the Clock. Feel less busy while getting more done. So, Laura, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So now, as I understand it, um, the, the method you used to compile some of your research was to literally have, what, seven, eight, nine hundred people uh, track their time on one given day and then turn all that in uh, and you analyze it. Is that a good summary? That's a good summary. Yeah, I had 900 people with full-time jobs and who also had families to track their time for a day. It was a normal March Monday. And so I had them record how they spent their time. And then I asked them questions about how they felt about their time. And so looking at all this, I could compare the schedules of people who felt relaxed and like they had enough time for the things they want to do with the people who felt stressed and starved for time and rushed and all that and see, well, what was the actual difference? And so you used something you called time perception scores. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I think I think a lot of people kind of end it like I got my checklist done <laughs> um, instead of necessarily this idea of how they feel about it. And I, and I think there is a lot of stress around even getting a lot done, isn't there? There really is. Um, I mean, because ultimately time, time is what it is, but how you feel about it has a big effect on your life. It's the question of whether, you know, people will be sitting there on like a massage table, but thinking about their inbox, like, I guess, you know, technically they're having relaxed leisure time, but they don't feel that way. And that can keep people from enjoying it. So I think, you know, our time perception has a lot to do with how effective we are. And so, you know, I was asking people questions like, Yesterday, I generally felt present rather than distracted, and people could answer on a one to seven point scale. And then there were many other questions like that. So then I could numerically look at the people who felt most relaxed and present and happy about their time, and then the people who felt the worst about it too. So I sometimes think um, time management books are a little like diet books. It's like here's the new one. It uh, you know eat good, do exercise, get rest. That's the new diet. Um, so. I'm going to let you defend that. How <laughs> How is your time management book different than the sea of time management books? Because everybody's been trying to figure this out. Yes. Well, and the truth is we all have the same 24 hours a day. So it's even you know harder yeah, right, to right. Than things like money books where people have different amounts of money. So you could at least segment that way. But uh, no, we all have the same amount of time. 
Um, the honest truth is I'm, I, I don't care if you have some email hack to like take 30 seconds less on your inbox or all these time management strategies, like, you know, clean the shower while you're in it to save a little bit of time here and there or something like that. This is really not what time is about. It's about asking questions of what is important to us. What would I like to spend my time on? And I think honestly, how I feel about my time too. Do I feel like time is rushing past? Um, like I'm frantic and harried, like I don't remember where my time has gone, or do I feel like it is full and rich and I'm truly enjoying it and lingering in positive experiences? Um, so I'm, I'm really going for, for the latter. And off the clock, it's a lot more about the philosophy of how we view time. I'm curious on a couple data points in your when you compiled all this research and analyzed it. Uh, was there any difference in how people felt about their time purely based on their age? So I know that there is broadly about this. Um, I didn't really look at people's ages um, in this. I know everyone had children at home under age 18, so that put somewhat of a limit on, on what ages people were in. Probably the majority were between ages about 25 and 55 just because of, of that constraint on it. But um, I do know that many people feel that time moves faster as they get older. Uh, a lot of people thinking back like, oh, the years between, let's say, 16 and 19 seem very vast for people like that versus like the last three years um, often seem a lot quicker in our recounting. And, and there's reasons for that, which is that, you know, age 16 to 19 was a very memorable time for people. They did a lot of firsts. They were figuring out who they are, you know, new experiences. And, and those things tend to be memorable. And when we have memorable experiences, we remember them, uh, whereas adult life is generally not like that. <laughs> so we don't remember it. But, you know, we can. And people who have um, a good relationship with time tend to think about making their time memorable so they do remember yeah, I was it. I going to just say that sounds like that's a really good point is that maybe we ought to do things that are more memorable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another data point I was curious about is uh, did you find um, – a pattern to what some of the biggest time drains were for people? Well, I think one interesting one is not thinking about where you'd like your time to go. I think that being intentional about your time is the biggest way to make sure that it is actually spent well. If you think about how a lot of people approach even, you know, a work day, we at least think like, oh, well, here are broadly some things I need to do, but we tend to like show up and then just march from meeting to meeting and trying to check emails in between meetings and you get to the end of the day, you're like, wait, where did all that time go? Um, and, and it's hard to say that the time was optimized if you're doing all that. Whereas people who are more intentional about it who say like, okay, well, these are the three things I absolutely have to get done today. Here is where I have open space that I can deal with them. And by the way, do I actually have to be at all those meetings? <laughs> let, let me push back against some of them too. Those people could work, um, you know, often could get out of work a little bit earlier than, than the people who'd left the work till the end of all the meetings and then had to still get done the things that had to get done. Um, and, and so I found that people with high time perception scores tended to work slightly less than other people. But it wasn't that the people with low time perception scores worked a lot. Um, they, they worked just a, a little bit more than the average. Um, but it was more that the people who were good about time were intentional about planning their days so they got stuff done when they had the energy to do it. So then they weren't stuck buying themselves a late night. Many days I feel like I kick ass for two hours and delete email for six hours. Um, and so 
you know, I know there are certain times that I'm way more productive. Um, and I, I wonder if, there, if, if that's a sort of physical or physiological kind of clock thing, or is that something that we just kind of train ourselves to be? Well, I think that your description of a work day is, is pretty broad there <laughs> that uh, a lot of people experience this phenomenon that they have like two good hours and then six hours of yes, email deletion and random meetings and such. Um, the important thing is that you make sure you use those two hours. If you only have two good hours, you want to make sure that you are executing on whatever, whatever is most important to you during those two hours. Cause the email deletion is still going to happen. Like you can do that with half a brain. Um, but you can't deal with that, that, you know, most focused time for most people that focus time tends to happen in the morning, which is an argument for not scheduling sort of status meetings between eight and 10 AM. Uh, Cause again, that's time that people can really crank on stuff. Whereas they'll still tell you how their project is going at 2 PM. Um, but you know, it doesn't really matter if they're half asleep during that time. I do think on the other hand though, that you can get some of that email deletion time back by proactively planning in breaks because what, what's sort of happening is that you have energy and then you use it. Um, and if you don't put the more energy back in, then you can only do the low energy tasks like deleting emails. Um, so, you know, many things you can do, you can get outside for a little bit, go for a quick walk, you know, talk to somebody whose company you really enjoy. Uh, and that, that can get you a little bit more time out of that email deletion category. Yeah. I, I was somewhat being facetious, but I think a lot of people, you know, feel that way. And I do know that there are certain times when I have, I, and I've, and, and, and I actually schedule my day a little bit around the knowledge that I'm, you know, from 10 to noon, I really am very effective. And from two to four, I'm really very effective. I just know that. Um, and, and I think that there is some planning that goes into that or into taking okay. advantage of that. Definitely. Definitely. That's smart. Uh, you talk a lot about 168 hours, and, and it's it's interesting to think that's the amount of hours in a week, isn't it? It is, um, which is funny because most people don't know that. that. Yeah, 168 hours and many people don't know, which is fascinating because you know, people say 24-7 all the time, yeah. uh, and then they don't multiply it through. Yeah. But it, it's really the right way to – I think weeks are a good unit to think about time, um, partly because that's the unit of – life that we tend to live is the repeating cycle of life. Like both Tuesdays and Saturdays happen the same amount. You know, they're very different, but they happen the same amount. So the other reason to think of 168 hours is it just shows you how much time you have. I mean, a lot of people who have full-time jobs say, Oh, I have no time for anything else. But if you think about it, like work 40 hours a week, sleep eight hours a night. So that's 56 hours a week that leaves 72 hours for other things, which is, quite a bit of time. <laughs> like, you know, it's almost twice as much time as you're working. And, and so there is time for other things. It's just, we, we tend not to see it because work tends to, you know, take a lot of, of mental energy as well. And, and really, and I think you said the book, you, you stated the book is a little more philosophical. And so in that sense, it's not really just about getting more done, is it? Well, no, because I mean, there's no point getting more done, just more done. I mean, you know, it, especially stuff like the deleting email. I, I know people feel so productive when they're deleting email because it's measurable. Like, you know, I don't know if I made progress on my most important goals, but I know for sure I got down from 150 unread messages to 50. So like, yay me. Right. Um, but it, it's about making sure that you're effective in the various spheres of life. You feel like you are doing the things in life 
that make life feel worthwhile. And uh, if you aren't, how can you go about reallocating your hours so those things happen? Well, not... And, and I think for me, at least, I know there are, you know, when I come in every single day, uh, I have a myriad of choices of things I could do. Um, but there are clearly some higher payoff activities that if I focused on them whenever um, and made sure that, that, you know, all else, you know, got put to the side until that was done, I, I would advance. I, I would certainly advance on my goals. It's not even about time management. It's just about making choices. Yeah, I mean, we do have a fair amount of choice about how we allocate their our time. And, you know, I have people always tell me, well, I can't control like this, this and this. I mean, it's easy to talk about the times we can't control, but then there's times we can too. And even if it's only a small amount of time, like certainly we can make better choices within those small amounts of time and ask the question of, well, how can we change things more broadly over you know, a longer period of time? And I think, you know, it's, it's easy to become mentally stuck, but often there's something that can be changed. And, and so then it's about changing that something and then maybe finding that motivational enough to push the next thing along. Well, and I, I work with a lot of business owners who, you know, are very overwhelmed, feel, feel very overwhelmed. A lot of it, when we really get to studying it, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing. In fact, they should be trying to do less <laughs> instead of trying to do more because the trying to do more gets them so scattered and stressed that, you know, the stuff that really is worth them doing doesn't get done. Yeah. And, and that's just a function, again, of, you know, when you're starting a business, you, you feel like you should do everything and you got to chase every sale and, you know, make sure everything's done perfectly, which means you have to do it yourself. And it, it's it's how entrepreneurs get have that drive to get started. But but those skills and that that, you know, temptation to do all that and be perfectionist, that just you can't grow that way. I mean, because again, we only have 24 hours in a day. And even if you worked every single minute that you weren't sleeping, there's still a limit on, on how much you can do. And, you know, if you think of a CEO of a big company, we don't say like, Oh, well he or she is a failure because they're not doing everything themselves. Of course not. We, we expect that. Um, and, and so it's really about having more of that mindset of what is the absolute best thing I can be doing with my time. How can we set up the business so that, I am supported in doing those things and these other things that either I don't do as well or can't do well at all, um, or even that I do great but are not the best use of my time can be given to somebody else. Wouldn't it be great if in your business all you had to do was the stuff you love, the reason you started the business, and not all that administrative stuff like payroll and benefits. That stuff's hard, especially when you're a small business. Now, I've been delegating my payroll for years to one of those big corporate companies. And I always felt like a little tiny fish, but now there is a much better way. I've switched over to Gusto and it is making payroll and benefits and HR easy for the modern small business. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. If you sign up today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash tape. Now, I have developed over the years, um, and this may just be uh, me rationalizing procrastination, but there, there are times when I have felt procrastination was actually in order, um, and it's because I wasn't 
like the idea hadn't come to me or the, the, the way to tackle something hadn't really come to me. And if I went out and ran or did something, you know, and forgot about it and uh, then I'd come back and all of a sudden uh, I, the idea came to me. And, and I've, you know, developed a pattern, I think, of recognizing that. Um, is that an excuse for procrastination or is that a valuable? No, I think that's a that's a valuable observation. The key is making sure you start your project enough ahead of time so that you have space for walking away from it and doing something else and then coming back to it. So the issue I think a lot of people have is they leave it up till the last minute and then they don't have time for that sort of incubation period of the idea. Um, and then you're really screwed because there's nothing you can do about it. Either it'll be late or it won't be very good, um, either of which is not a great outcome. But if you start enough ahead of time, then you sort of you know put your thoughts in there and you say, okay, well, it's okay. It's not great, though. Let me think about it a little bit more. Go away from it. while. when you come back a day or two later, you've got lots more ideas or you've thought about more research you need to do that will solve this problem for you. And then it's much better. So, yeah, I think, you know, leaving that space in for incubation uh, is, is a key part of creativity. So why don't we call it that instead yeah. of procrastination? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds much better. So should everyone track their time? Um, I think it would be great if everyone could track their time for a week. I, I have been tracking my time personally for three years now um, in half hour blocks. That doesn't mean I check in every half hour. I check in probably three times a day, write down what I was doing since the last time. Um, I don't expect anyone else to track their time for three years. I'm a bit of a time management freak. But by tracking a week, you can see where the time really goes. And, and the key part of this is making sure that whatever stories you are telling yourself about your life are actually true. Um, and, and a lot of times they turn out not to be true. People have various ideas of like how many hours they work, which turn out not to be true. Um, they have ideas of how many hours they sleep, which may be true one night per week, but isn't true the other nights. Um, they may say, oh, like I have no free time whatsoever. And it's like, well, except of all that time I was watching TV, which maybe is free time. I'm just not remembering it for some reason. So I, I think that knowing where the time goes then allows us to make choices based on good data. And if something is working great, that's awesome. We can celebrate it knowing that that is exactly where our time goes. If it is not working, um, we can say, well, now I know, should I scale it up? Should I scale it down? Like, how does it compare to other things in my life? Like, you know, business decisions, you want to make those from good data. Same thing with your time. Make sure you're working from, from what is true as opposed to what you think. How much time does multitasking actually cost us? Uh, it depends what kind of multitasking we're talking about. I mean, a lot of people think that they're being more productive by, say, checking email while they're on the phone. And in general, they're not. Um, your brain is just going back and forth between them. So you're not paying attention to what's being said on the phone or else you're not really answering the email well. And, you know, if that's the case, it's better usually good to ask, well, why am I even on this phone call? <laughs> like if I if I can do other things while I'm on the call probably I shouldn't be on this call. It's, not, it's just not worthwhile. Um, I should have sent somebody else or maybe made it shorter or whatever else. Um, so things like that, yeah, pretty much just waste time. As for, I mean, there's nice ways to multitask too. Like if you think about it, something like exercising with a friend is theoretically multitasking. I mean, you're having a good conversation with somebody you'd like to talk to and you're moving your body at the same time. So that's great. <laughs> like that's, that's getting a, that's double win right there. Or, um, you know, commuting with your spouse. Like if you can share a car ride to work, you know, once a week, that's great because you're turning what would be wasted time into a date yeah. basically. 
So, you know, think about how you can double up that one. You you really need to up your expectation of what a date is. Oh, what a date is. Well, you know, when life gets busy enough, you you take what you can get, right? And uh, many many couples with, like, young kids and, you know, long jobs between the two of them find they don't get a whole lot of time to talk. So if you can talk in the car, like, take it. (laughs) I'm spoiled. My children are all grown. And so when I travel now, my wife just goes with me. And so so we, we, we are at a different point, I guess. Yeah, that's that sounds great. So <laughs> we, you, we may get there eventually. You will. Um, you talk about something in the book that I think would be a really compelling idea for people, and that's the idea of designing an ideal day. Yeah. So, and and not just an ideal day, though. I think you know that could be fun. But my ideal day, there'd be like flying cars, and I wouldn't have to wait traffic behind anyone else. Uh, so I think more think about it as a realistic ideal day. So within the constraints of sort of your normal life, what would a really, really good day look like for you? And, uh, you know, when people ask this question, they start to say, oh, well, you know, I, I think it would be good if I could maybe take a walk at lunch instead of just sitting at my desk. And I have the capability of doing that some days. So that, that would be in a good day. And when you're thinking of things like that, you're more likely to start figuring out ways you can work them into your life. Or like, oh, I'd, I'd listen to a really good podcast on the way into work. And I'd listen to um, an album I was choosing to listen to more of a genre of music, say, on the way home. Well, that nudges you to start thinking like, okay, well, maybe I should make sure I pack my listening materials as I'm getting into the car uh, instead of just getting in there and realizing, oh, well, you know, I'm stuck listening to the radio because I don't have time to find a podcast while I'm paying attention to the traffic. So, you know, oh, well, whoops, guess I didn't do that. You know, um, I I just an example of that that I totally, totally uh, buy is that I have a lot better day if I pack my lunch. Uh, because I choose something really good <laughs> to eat. And if I just don't do it and I go, oh, I'll go to the place across the street that doesn't really have anything that I should, <laughs> should eat. Um, yes. And uh, so that I, I think even something like that, you know, helps me actually have an ideal day as well. Yeah, no, food could definitely be a dimension for it. Or, you know, I'm thinking about what I would spend my time at work doing. Like, would I be reading something at night before bed? Like, how would I spend my time? Because that reminds you what's important to you. And, you know, but within a context that you can actually do something with. Because, again, I'm not going to get my flying car. Like, that's that's not going to happen. But I can choose to, you know, listen to the top albums of the last year, like, while I'm in my car. You know, that's something I could actually do. Do you prescribe to any, there are many, many techniques and, you know, uh, David Allen's, you know, getting things done comes to mind. Pomodoro uh, method is, is a kind of one that a lot of people talk about. Are there any elements of those techniques that you prescribe to? Well, I think the key thing with any technique is it has to work for you and people are different. Um, and, and so what happens with those things, it's the same as a diet. Like if it works for you, it's great. And you become evangelical about it, but other people might find that difficult in a way that you don't. I mean, so some people it's like, Oh, I just need really strict rules. That's great. Whereas other people are like, well, I need flexibility. That's what works for me. You know, know yourself, I think is the key time management, um, strategy. And, and when you know yourself, then you can start to say, well, Oh, I work better when I do X, Y, or Z. Let me make sure that, the conditions are in place so I can do X, Y, and Z more frequently than not. Um, so for some people, it is it is very helpful to work for 25 minutes and then take a break as a Pomodoro technique. Um, you know, for some people, like the idea of, uh, you know, that two minutes, can I do it would be great. You know, that's what they need to do. But for other people, like taking two minutes when they were really deeply into something else would just be the end of it. 
so you just have to know yourself and, and work with yourself and find out what works for you. Yeah, I, I think that on that point, a lot of the people I know that really have worked something out, they've taken a little from here, a little from there, and, and kind of cobbled together what, as you said, works for them. So, uh, Laura, tell me where people can find out more about you and Off the Clock and, and even some of the work that you do with folks. Yeah, so I uh, come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. Um, I also have a podcast that is focused on um, issues pertaining to professional women who are also raising families, so how people combine work and life from the perspective of loving both. Uh, and then, yeah, Off the Clock just came out a few weeks ago. It is about how people feel about their time and how we can all learn to feel less busy while getting more done. So I hope people will check those out. And, of course, as always, we'll have links in the show notes. So, Laura, thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road. Thank you so much for having me on. 